I have a fire truck. I sleep in a big boy bed. My dad goes to work. I'm 35 and a half. Tyler, how's the new job? It's fine. How's the game tonight? Sorry, what? Biscotti? Sorry, it's the has noodles and sauce on top. Uh, spaghetti. Yeah, that's what I said. Hey man, sorry, they only have one cookie left. everyone sorry to interrupt but uh just poopied all by myself in the potty cheers Bibles, grab them. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. As you can see by that video, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take the Word of God very seriously. We'd love for you to grab it. If you need a Bible, the one in front of you in the, in the seat back is our gift to you. Feel free to take that home. Um, as you're looking up Exodus chapter 20, you should be able to find it pretty easy by now, but if not, it's, the, it's towards the beginning of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> real quick, by way of announcement, this Wednesday is elder-led prayer at 6.30 here. Uh, 2015 is a year of prayer, and then we do uh, we celebrate Lent together, which is preparation for Resurrection Sunday or Easter. Um, and so we're going to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. Kicks off this Wednesday with elder-led prayer. And if you're new to fasting, then then show up on Wednesday night, and we'll tell you what it's about. It's really just tell, telling your physical self no, so you can tell Jesus yes over over uh, uh, 40 days. So. Um, we are in the middle of this series on the Ten Commandments, and so just as in review, last week I taught you how to memorize the Ten Commandments, and so if you weren't here, uh, get, just put your pencils down, put your Bibles down for a second, get your fingers out, okay? And this is an all-skate, everybody's playing along, everybody's playing along, even you men that think you're cool, you're not that cool, get over yourself, get your fingers out. All right, here we go, and if you don't play, I will call you out, and there's lots of people watching. So get them out here, here's how you memorize the Ten Commandments, get one finger up, one, all right, make sure it's the right finger, remember where you are, okay, there you go. And it is, I am Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That means God is first, or God, there's one God, God is first. That's it. Second one, this is where it gets a little childish, we get over it. All right, do like this, you cut out the idols, like a pair of scissors. All right, good. So, everybody playing, everybody playing, or maybe call you out, okay? All right, see some wiggling. All right, third one is this, hold up three fingers, looks like a W, watch your words. Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Good. Four, there's typically four Sundays in a month. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's where we were last week. This is where we are today. Five, yes, sir. Obey your father and mother. Honor your father and mother, all right? Six, this is when they get fun. Thou shalt not murder, all right? Now, don't put your thumb up. That's seven, okay? Now, seven can lead to six, but that, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, all right? So don't, don't do that. All right, seven. Here's seven. 
thou shalt not commit adultery. Right. If you brought your children to the service today, enjoy explaining that to them over lunch, okay? <laughs> That's seven. And then eight, in some countries, if you steal, they'll cut off your pinky. Thou shalt not steal. Got that one. Aha, I'm lying. I do have a pinky. Thou shalt not lie. There it is. Bing, lie. Remember? Got it? And then ten, hold them all up like this and reach out and grab your neighbor by the back of the head. Thou shalt not covet. All right? All right. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about this one. Yes, sir. Uh, honor your father and mother. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The Bible says, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. My dad used to kind of misquote this and said, boy, I think the Bible says I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. I was like, not exactly. I think Bill Cosby said that. Uh, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. Now, if you'll remember, as we've been walking through the Ten Commandments, the first three in particular are all aimed at God. They're Godward commandments. And then five through ten are all horizontal commandments about how we love each other and how we care for each other, those kind of things. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Last week, we talked about the fourth commandment, which is the Sabbath. That's the hinge commandment that you reconnect and refuel with God so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, in right relationship with God, you are able to do commandments number five through ten. And so, the first horizontal commandment is this one, honor your father and mother. So God, in his infinite wisdom, starts with the most important relationship, which is your family. Like, you want to change, you want to change America? Guess where it will always happen? It will not happen, start in the White House, it's going to start in your house. That, that's what God is saying here, okay? That the most important relationships are with your family. And the command is to honor your father and mother. Now, quite honestly, we live in an honor-depraved society. We don't even have a good idea of what honor is. And when you hear that you're supposed to honor your father and mother, a lot of times, because we want to stand up for our own rights, we think, yeah, but my, my mother and father are not very honorable. And we live in an honor-depraved society. And I don't know exactly when it happens, but somehow we have traded in things like honor and valor for sarcasm and cynicism. Here's a quote I found this week. It says, our youth now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for their elders. They love to chatter in place of exercise. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents. They chatter before company. They gobble up their food, and they tyrannize their teachers. You believe that? Socrates said it in 390 B.C. So guess what? Here's the thing. about If you're in the 40 and up crowd, that's me, all right? We think we're awesome. We think we used to be awesome. We were turds just like Socrates' kids were turds. Everybody got that? So there, we just have this propensity to dishonor people. And here's the thing that, that we get confused about when we talk about honor. Um, we confuse honor and respect. They're not the same thing. Honor is given, respect is earned. That you get to choose who you honor, who you lift up, who you make much of. The word in Hebrew, honor, it literally means heavy. The way we would say it today is this, is that that person that I'm honoring, I'm just treating you like you're kind of a big deal. That's what it means to honor. And the Bible, <laughs> the Bible says honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, when Peter wrote that in 1 Peter 2, 17, get, the emperor was not very honorable. He was killing Christians at the time. And Peter says, listen, even though he's not very respectable, we as believers in Christ are going to choose to honor him 
Now, we live in an honor-depraved society, but yet there's something in us, and it has to do with being created in the image of God, that there's something in us that does kind of, we're kind of drawn to those environments where honor are a big deal. And I know this is true, because how many of you went to see American Sniper? Did you go see that movie, American Sniper? Now, are you like me when you watch that movie? I mean, when I see movies like that and Lone Survivor, any kind of military movie where men are protecting our freedoms, there's just something that stirs up in me and rises up in me. One, I kind of feel like a wuss. Let me just be honest, all right? I usually get all fired up about the movie. I'm driving home real fast, and Gretchen's like, you're not in the movie. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I should slow down, all right? And then I look at my own life, and I think, you know, I'm kind of a wuss. I just talk for a living, and these guys take bullets for us. And I go through that little deal. But there's something that, that I'm drawn to when men and women act in such honorable ways, and, and, and we, we want to give them honor. And then occasionally, and, and I know it's true in us, especially in Jacksonville. Do you know that Jacksonville was on, like one of the hot spots for that movie, American Sniper? So those of us in Jacksonville were, you know, patriots and went to support the movie. And then you get, you get the occasional nut job, like Michael Moore. Did you see what he tweeted? He tweeted some stuff about how, how American snipers are, are cowards. And my advice to Michael Moore is you can either get behind our military or you can stand in front of our military. You make the decision, my friend. But at, here at the Church of 1122, we honor our men and women in the service. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and if you've, put on, if you've ever put on a uniform, police, firefighter, paramedic, I mean, you know, everything short of UPS, all right? If you've ever put on a, UP, uh, a uniform to serve, then you have a place of honor here at this church. But a lot of us don't know how to honor because, you know, we don't even know what it is. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Romans 12.10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Did you know that you and I are supposed to try to out-honor one another? That's what the Bible says. That you and I are supposed to try to out-honor one another. Now, typically in our culture, it's all about us. We're full of ourselves. The Bible says that Jesus came and poured himself out or emptied himself. And because of that, because he honored us in such an amazing way on the cross, we are to outdo one another with honor. Like this morning when you came here, you come here to church, then we try to honor you. It's why we have people in the parking lot. It's why we have people opening the door for you. We realize you can open your own door, but we want to honor you as an honored guest. It's why we take such good care of your kids and we check them in the way they do. We do. Do you know there's a team of people in between services that were in here and in the sanctuary cleaning up after those people that made such a mess before you got in here. They they picked up the trash and they threw away all the coffee cups and they restocked the little seat back there in front of you. All of that is because we were trying to out do you in honor. That's what we are commanded to do in the scriptures. You know, I've probably learned more about this verse and about honor from Pastor Stovall Weems than, than really anybody else, okay? When I made the transition from youth pastor to lead pastor, it's just there was a lot of things that were different. And one of them was Pastor Stovall would invite me over to celebration to speak, you know, at the arena. And, uh, and so I'd pull up to Six Flags Over Jesus that is Celebration Church. I mean, it's, we love it. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ there. And I'd pull up to, to do something there, and there would be like, I mean, you know, this, this short of armed guards out front, like, you know, Pastor Joby. I mean, they didn't bow, but it was close. I mean, it's just honor, honor, honor with my own parking spot, and they would escort me backstage. And I, it was almost to the point I was like, boys, you can put me down. I could walk up to the stage. It was that. They would shower me with gifts. I mean, gifts. Not just like gift cards for me and Gretchen, but also, like last time I went, they gave me a handmade turkey call. All right? That's honor. That's honor. It's, they're so good to me there that there's sometimes I call them up and I'm like, hey, I've got a free Wednesday. You need me to just kind of swing by? I mean, it's, it's kind of like that. 
And, and I've got, I've got to admit, you guys, you guys honor me like crazy, like crazy. Treat me so good. But Pastor Stovall, um, when he was going to come for the first time for Saturated, we brought him in to be one of our Saturated speakers for our, our revival that we do in the fall. So I get our staff together. I'm like, listen, y'all, this is the man that taught me how, how to honor, all right? And the Bible says, outdo one another with honor. And right now, he's winning, and we've got to win. You understand? We've got to beat him in honor. We've got to out-honor him. And so, I mean, we rolled it out. So, yeah, we got him gifts, but we also, we had an artist do this thing about Celebration Church to give him this painting. We did, um, you know, we did this big intro video of him and gave him that, and I gave him some hunting stuff, too, because he's, he's one of my hunting buddies. And so, when he walks in, and we just, I mean, I just got staff member after staff member just coming in, you know, just kind of dropping off gifts. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. You didn't need to do that. Thank you. Uh, I can't believe you'd even let me preach here at your church. And then, and then I give him all that stuff, and I'm kind of like, ha-ha. And then he leans over to his assistant, and he says, hey, you got that thing? And then he gets a gift and then gives me a gift for preaching here at our church. <laughs> you know what I went? Dang it! He got me. And I had to go to Carly. Carly, new rule. When I go speak at somebody else's place, not only... That's it. Hey, it's hard to go wrong honoring somebody. You know that? It is hard to go wrong honoring somebody. And so the Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And again, honor just means I'm trying to make much of you. One of the most honorable things I've ever seen is the tomb of the unknown soldier. Have you ever seen this? I mean, you want to take, talk about taking honor to the nth degree. Um, this is amazing. The sad thing is, is most of the time when we visit something awesome like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, we're like in seventh grade, and we don't have the capacity to understand what's actually happening there. But on March 4th, 1921, Congress approves the burial of an unidentified American soldier from World War I in Arlington National Cemetery. And from that point until today, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, that tomb is guarded by... Um, a group of people that are the best of the best of the elite 3rd US, U.S. infantry. And they're called sentinels. These, these men are called sentinels. And they take a vow that affects their entire life. They volunteer for a couple of years and, and kind of all live together. And every single day, every minute, every hour of every day, they are armed guards and they take 21 steps in front of the tomb. They pause for 21 seconds. They turn around. They switch shoulders with their rifle. They take 21 steps. They wait 21 seconds. And they go until it's the next guy's turn. And there's been a few times in, in U.S. history, not very many, but there's been a few times in U.S. history when hurricanes were bearing down on, on Arlington National Cemetery. And the commander-in-chief com commanded the sentinels that guard that tomb to cease and desist and to stand down for their own safety. Because like Hurricane Irene or Hurricane Isabel were coming through and they feared that these men might die. And every single time they refused to obey that direct commandment. Why? And here's why, when asked, they all quote what's written on the tomb. It says this, Here rest in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. You see, they understand that honor is a big deal. Here's what I want us to try to understand. That when we get to the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, that we are supposed to take it as serious as these men that guard the tomb of the unknown soldier take. That honor is that big of a deal. That we are supposed to direct our lives at obeying this, honoring your father and mother. So the question is, how do you do that? Today, how do you honor your father and mother? 
So what I want to do for the next half hour is I just want to talk very, very practically about what that might look like for us. First and foremost, you've just got to look at this, is that though you will not always be a child, you will always be someone's child. And there is no age limit on how long you honor your father and mother. Now, one of the things that was just a revolutionary ethic when Moses writes this is that it says father and mother, that the mom and dad are to be, are to be one together, co-equal, co-parenting the children. Now, it was very common in a lot of cultures that you would honor your father, but you would disrespect your mom, but, but not so in the Ten Commandments, that you honor your father and mother. And so, in, in our context, there's really kind of two categories, right? There's, one, there's what it looks like to honor your father and mother when you're grown up, you know, when you're out of the house, when you're on your own, when you're an adult, versus what it looks like to live under your parents' roof or under the authority of your parents. And so, I want to talk about those differently. As an adult, as an adult how, what does it look like to honor your father and mother? Well, first of all, as an adult, it doesn't mean that you, have, that you obey your father and mother anymore, all right? Because some of you might have some like, you know, crazy controlling parents and they're trying to tell you what color to paint your house. And you're like, nope, time out, Mom. Those days are over, okay? But that doesn't mean that you don't honor them. One of the ways, and, and these are just a few things that, that kind of I thought of. They're not Bible verses. I always want to make a distinction when we're just unpacking the Scripture and when I'm telling you just some ideas that I have. So here, here's a few that I have. One is you can honor your father and mother in communication. You know what that means? You can just call them on the phone. Let them know what's happening. This is a big deal. I know they're the parent and you're the kid, whatever. But the you, you would just call them on the phone. And sometimes you would just call them and listen to their story. Not always be the one talking all the time, okay? So a couple of things that we do in my house is, you know, JP plays football and baseball right now. And so after his games, in the truck, on the way home, we call granddaddy so JP can just tell some stories about how the game went. And, and my kid is the worst phone talker in the world, Right? Granddaddy's like, how'd the game go? Good. Did you hit the ball? Yes. And I'm going, you know, whatever. So he won't shut up at home, but he's on the phone. But it's still, it's honoring the granddaddy that he gets that kind of call. The other thing is that sometimes you just got to call and, and give information to your parents, especially if they don't live here and that kind of thing. So like on Thursday night, <clears throat> I called my dad. I called him up and He's like, hey, bud, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing great. I'm actually writing a sermon right now. I'm about to go preach about honor your father and mother, so I thought I'd give you a call. How are you doing? And he goes, well, i got an abscessed tooth. And so we talked about that for a while, all right? <laughs> but you know what? Usually when you're the kid, you do all the talking. You know what? It's an honoring thing to just shut up and listen sometimes. Let them just talk about what's going on in their world. And he told me, he said, I went to the dentist, and they said, and they said it was going to be $3,500 to put a bridge in there. So I said, what would it be to pull it? And they said, $250. And I said, well, go ahead and pull it. And I said, well, Mr. Martin, we can't do that. It'll leave a big old hole. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll wad up $2,000 and stuff it in a hole, and I'll still be ahead. <laughs> so he said. So on, I just straight up, before, before you make it home today, call your mom and dad. Another way to honor them as an adult is in expressing gratitude. I mean, when's the last time you told your parents thanks? You know what would be a great action step, a God-honoring action step out of this sermon today is that you would write your parents a letter saying thank you. Just saying thank you. And listen, I know they're not perfect. Neither are we. Sometimes I scratch my head and think, man, how bad am I going to screw up my kids? You know, 
But I, will, I think it would be a great idea for us to just say thanks to our parents. And I know some of you come from some awful backgrounds, awful backgrounds. I bet for the large majority of us, it would, you could find something to thank them for. In fact, even if your parents don't act in a very honorable way, one of the best ways to help them be more honorable is to honor them in whatever area you could find, right? Like if they were a tough disciplinarian, that you would just thank them enough that they would put those kind of guardrails in your life. If they never showed up to your ballet recital because they were working all the time, you could at least honor them that they provided you a place to live and food to eat and that kind of thing. Gratitude begets gratitude, and it is a great way to honor your parents Another one is this, is that you, you can honor your parents, again, this is if you're an adult, you can honor your parents by inviting and listening to their opinions and advice. Now, you're grown, you get to decide if it's good advice, bad advice, whatever, but you know what it does? It just once again reminds and repositions. You know what, you're my dad, you'll always be my dad. I do this all the time. My dad's never pastored a church, he doesn't even attend a church regularly, and yet over and over and over, I'll call him and say, hey dad, I, I got this situation at work, what would you do? And you've already seen his extreme wisdom when it comes to dentistry, so you know it carries over uh, in the church world. But you know what? It's just a reminder that, that he knows me and he loves me. And it, when I position myself in a way to receive advice from him, it's just a big deal. It's a way to honor him. And another one, and this is big in our society, and this is primarily what Moses was talking about here. He was talking to adults, not kids, when he says, honor your father and mother. And it's this, that we can honor our parents by taking care of them when they need it, like they took care of us when we needed it. Now, I am, I am not anti-assisted care living, nursing home, none of those things. So often, that is the best way that your family decides to take care of mom and dad, that kind of deal. But let me tell you what is unacceptable if you're a Christian, is thinking that your parents are an inconvenience to you. Thinking that, oh, I don't know, I don't want to put that kind of time, effort, energy, money into taking care of them. Because I promise you, there was a day when you were a total inconvenience to them. And they stopped everything to take care of us. And one of the things that we must be committed to do as Christians is caring for our parents when they need it most, just like they cared for us. Now, hopefully you can think of a hundred more ways to honor your father and mother as an adult. I hope you will. Now, I want to shift gears and talk about how do you honor your father and mother if you're a child or an adolescent. Now, it's kind of hard to figure out like what, what childhood and, and adolescence you know, ends and adulthood begins. It kind of depends on who you ask, right? If you ask, um, if you ask the government, I think 25, you know, insurance companies are like 25, you become an adult. Um, if you ask, you know, if you ask the DMV at 16, if you ask Delta, it's two years old. So, you know, there's like a big range of what's an adult and, and what's a child. So I would just say, if you live at home, I, you know, no matter how old you are, if you live at home, if your parents pay your car insurance, you know, if you're listed as a dependent, then this is how you honor your father and mother. And I know sometimes people are like, well, I'm 18 years old, I'll do what I want. Well, how about want to go get a job and pay your own bills, and then you'll be up in the top category. Until then, here's how you honor your father and mother. And by the way, children obeying their father and mother is a very big deal in the Bible. Deuteronomy 21. Maybe you didn't know these verses were in the Bible. Parents, don't memorize these, but here they go. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18, it says this. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, uh-oh, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, 
This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge, I'd cry too. So you shall purge the evil of your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, some of you are like, oh, I knew I liked this church. Baby, get the kids. I'll get the rocks. I'll meet you in the house. All right, now, that's old covenant. We live under the new covenant. But I would say this, that honor and obedience of kids to their parents was a big, big deal. So if you live at home, and part of the reason I'm saying this, parents, is because of our podcast, or you can download the app, and you can play this on repeat. Uh, Monday to Friday, all week long for your kid if they're not here. So number one, number one is you honor with obedience. You honor with obedience. There is nothing more honoring to parents than doing what the parents say. And the Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is Paul talking and then he quotes this commandment and he says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So what Paul does in Ephesians is he equates honor and obedience. He uses them as interchangeable words. He says, obey your parents and honor your father and mother. That means the same thing. So it's this simple. Even if you don't understand, that's okay. I know you think you understand everything. You'll get smarter as you grow older. And you just obey what your parents say. Another one is this. This is a big one. This is a big one. Especially if you're a teenager, this is a big one. That you honor your father and mother with your attitude. Not just begrudging submission but you honor your parents with your attitude. And here's what I mean. In 15 years of student ministry, I would see this over and over and over. It was typically girls, typically teenage girls, and they would do this move. They'd be on the phone talking to somebody, and I didn't know exactly who it was, and then I would hear this. I can't do it very well because I'm not a teenage girl, nor have I ever been one, but you'll understand what I'm saying. They would do this. They'd do the, you know that move? I say, I can't really do it. It's like a whole body thing. All right? And then usually, if you really just want to go all the way, which is, all, you know, whatever, whatever. There's no more dishonoring thing you can say to a grown person than whatever, okay? And then, when they'd hang up, I'd go, oh my gosh, who were you talking to? You must hate that person. Who were you talking to? And then they'd look at me and go, whatever. It was just my mom. Ugh. Your attitude matters a bunch. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2. It says, if you consider yourself a Christian, then this is how we're supposed to act. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude reflects what you think about those people. And as Christians, we are supposed to treat people like they're more important than us. Now, at the foot of the cross, everything is level. They're not actually more valuable than us, but we're supposed to treat people as if they're more valuable than us. And all of us have the ability to do this. You do this every time like you go to a wedding, right? Nobody has a problem on, on, at a wedding treating the bride like she's the biggest deal in the room, do you? Are you offended? Do you walk in as a guest of a wedding and be like, what is your problem? Why did nobody stand up for me but just stand up for that girl? No, no, no. You have no problem just kind of playing your role there. Paul said that's how we're supposed to treat people all the time, particularly this is how kids should treat their parents. People living at home should treat their parents, that they should consider them better than themselves. And so, now, if you think about it, think about the person that you honor the most or that you think is most honorable, most respectable in your world. You have no problem treating that, people, that person with honor, Right? Like for me, it's Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. He led more, he's led more people to Jesus than any other person in the history of humanity. And about five or six years ago or something like that, Gretchen and I had an opportunity to eat dinner with Billy Graham. 
A guy from the church calls me up and says, hey, Dr. Billy Graham's coming to my house for dinner. Do you want to come over? And I didn't even have to pray about it. Yes, I do, okay? And we showed up. It was so easy for me to honor Billy Graham. Why? Because he's so honorable. It was so easy. Never once did Billy Graham try to tell me something. I'd be like, can you hold on a second? I'm checking my Facebook page. Never, never. I never smacked him in the head. Hey, Billy, give me something to drink. Never, ever, ever. I gave him attention. I treated him as if he's better than me, because he is. But you know what was crazy? He treated me that way, too. He totally treated me that way. I don't think he can remember my name, but he called me pastor the whole time. Pastor, tell me about your church. I hear many people are coming to the Lord. And I was like, yeah, we just baptized 300 people. And he went, 300? I've never heard of such a thing. (laughs) I think you have. (laughs) You know, you fill up stadiums and tens of thousands of people wait for the buses and they come and they pray to receive Jesus. Okay, I've read about you. I think you've led more than 300. But he treated us like we were something, something. And so it was so easy for me to honor him and give him honor. In fact, while we were sitting there, I was like, um, Dr. Graham, if you were able to preach one more crusade, what would you preach on? He said, oh, that, that's easy. I would preach on Galatians 6.14. And I went, hmm, I have no idea what Galatians 6.14 is. <laughs> I don't have the whole thing memorized. And so he couldn't see that well, so I just grabbed my phone and got out my Bible app. And I'm like, you know, distract him, Gretchen. And I look it up. <clears throat> Galatians 6.14 says this, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and out of the world. Billy Graham led more people to Jesus than anybody in the history of the world. It says, far be it for me to boast. If anybody can brag, he can brag. Far be it for me to boast, except in our Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. Okay? Now, all night long, no problem, honoring him. And that's how we're supposed to honor our parents. Okay? goes on in verse 4, Paul says, each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And guess what his attitude was? Made himself nothing, dressed himself as a servant, was obedient unto death on the cross. You know what that means? He honored us. Honoring is making less of yourself and making more of others. Honoring is lowering yourself and lifting up others. And Jesus did that ultimately on the cross. He made our sin problem a higher priority than his perfection. And he went to the cross, and he lifted us up. So, you honor with obedience, you honor with attitude, and you honor with your words. Jesus says this in Matthew 15, 18. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. It says, careless words stab like a sword. Teenagers, watch your words to your mom and dad. Sometimes you're careless with your words and you think you get a pass just because they're your parents and it hurts. Careless words stab like a sword. Words like, I hate you or you're an idiot or those kind of things, they stab like a sword. I have a sword in my office, okay? Why? Because I'm a Christian and I love God. That's what we do, okay? I've got this big, like, Braveheart sword in my office. And if I were to bring it into service, which I guess I could, and I was careless with it, I was just preaching with a sword up here and waving it around, and I wasn't paying attention, and I slipped out of my hand, and it just jabbed you in the chest. You would notice. Ow. This has a, we're going to be on the news tonight. You know what I mean? Like, it's an event. And for the rest of your life, every time, every time you went to the beach, people would be like, what happened? You'd be like, you know what? This craziest thing happened at church. And you would have a scar, and there would be a wound. Do you understand what I'm saying? It would be an event. 
And if I went up and be like, oh, my bad, I didn't mean to, let me get that back and take my sword back out, it doesn't automatically heal up because I didn't mean to stab you with my sword, right? Careless words stab like a sword. Wise words lead to healing. Healing takes a long time, and there's usually a scar. Our words are that powerful. To our parents, but it also goes the other way, doesn't it, parents? Your words to your kids are so powerful, so powerful. So the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother. Let me just tell you this. If you're a parent, we need to be honorable. We need to be honorable moms and dads. And I'm talking about this. We have a crisis in our, in our civilization. Did you know that 33% of children right now are growing up in fatherless homes? In our country, 33% of children in this country grow up in fatherless homes. And, and, and here's just some of the impact. Here's some of the impacts of that. <clears throat> if you grow up in a fatherless home, you're four times more likely to live in poverty. You're more likely to suffer emotional and behavioral problems. You're, you have two times the risk of infant mortality. You're more likely to go to prison. That one in five prison inmates has a father in prison. You're more likely to commit crimes. You're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. You're more likely to face abuse and neglect. You're more likely to uh, abuse drugs and alcohol. You're two times more likely to die from health-related diseases. And you're two times more likely to drop out of high school. Now, let me just tell you this. If you're raising a kid in a fatherless home, single moms, we love you at the Church of 1122. And just hear me right now. Hear this. Where the ideal is unrealized, grace abounds. Grace abounds. And so part of the reason we want you to be connected here, that you'd go to the Connect Center and you would get connected, is because we're not saying we can you know, fix your problems or I'm not sure how it got there, but we want to walk alongside of you because you're like heroes here. We're, and we're rooting for your family. But, but the reason, I mean a big part of the reason that 33% of kids are growing up at home without a dad is because we got some dishonorable parents. And of all the parents in the entire world, did you realize if you have kids, God chose you to raise those kids? It's a stewardship issue. It's a stewardship issue. And so if you want your kids to honor their father and mother, then let me tell you this. Be honorable. Be honorable. Here's some ways that you can do that. First, is just realize this. Children have never been great listeners. They are incredible imitators. Children have never been... If you've got... All right, I got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. And so far, for nine years, they're not great listeners. At times, they are when they, you know, feel their life being threatened. But, you know, just kind of in general, if you think, well, my kid doesn't listen, it's because they're a kid. And I know you thought you were a great listener. But if I could just get your mom up here, she would shatter all those, those illusions that you had of what a great kid you were, all right? But they are incredible imitators. You know what that means? <clears throat> that if you act one way here at church on the weekend and you act a totally different way at home, you're making it difficult, difficult for your kids to honor you. Also, if you are dishonoring to everybody in your life, I mean, if you just run people down with your words and you dishonor people and you gossip about people, I'm telling you, your kids are going to get really, really good at that. The other thing, if you're not honest about the things in your life, you know what, you know what you're going to teach your kids? You're going to teach your kids to be really great hiders of the things that they struggle with. The kids are terrible. They've never been great listeners. They're incredible imitators. And listen to this, dads. You set the honor standard in your home. 
You set the honor standard in your home. You want mama to be honored by your kids? Let me tell you the number way to do it. You honor mama in your house. And a lot of times, especially type A driven, go get them Christian guys like myself have to kind of step back and go, uh-oh, I don't think I'm doing a very good job of this. Gretchen's called me out before and said, sometimes you treat me like I'm one of your staff or a member of the church or maybe even the oldest kid. And the only response to that is confess and repent and do better. And so, in my house, we honor mama, right? You can cuss the government, you can cuss the church. You cuss mama, then it ain't good, all right? It ain't good. And so you set the standard. Also, in our world of divorce and blended family and steps and all that kind of stuff, let me tell you this, dad, you still set the honor standard for the mother of your kids. Even if you don't live together anymore, even if she's got a whole new family and all of that, and even if she was totally dishonorable, that does not matter. The way you talk about her to your kids will set the honor standard. And the Bible says that we honor everyone. Because kids are incredible imitators. So you know this is a, a we're, we're challenging our church to, to every day, seven days a week, that you would pray individually, that three times... Three times a week, you would pray with your spouse if you're married. And one time a week, if you've got a family, you would get your family together and pray. You know why? Because your kids are incredible imitators. And what, wouldn't it be so great if your kid grew up in a house where it was normal for at least once a week for everybody to get together and hold hands and dad leads in prayer? That's a big part of the way we're doing that because we know that your kids will imitate that one day. Another way to be honorable is this, is to train not to exasperate your kids. Exasperate's not a, not a word we use a lot, and the Bible never commands kids to not exasperate their parents because they're exasperating, all right? But it commands, it commands us to not exasperate our kids. Ephesians 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The NIV says, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, okay? To exasperate in the Bible means to put your kids in a no-win situation. The Bible says, don't do that, don't do that. What you're to do is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As a parent, discipline is about correction and coaching, not just punishment. And let's be honest. It, it's a lot easier to just punish. It's a lot faster to just punish. It does not, it does not mess up your schedule as much to just punish. But to, but to correct and coach and train and discipline, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy and intentionality. And you can, you can discipline without love, but you cannot love without discipline. And just for the record, I am very pro-discipline. I'll just say it this way. We are pro-spanking in my house, all right? And I know some of you aren't, all right? You're like, hey, we don't spank little Timmy. We know, okay? We know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You, you, you figure it out in your own home however you need to. But if you need to drive them off by the church, we could either train you or just, I'll wear them out for you, whatever you want. Now... And here's the day, I, you know, here's the deal. I grew up in the day, you know, where my dad disciplined, like, like he had a master's in it, right? And, and in fact, I grew up in the day where anybody could whip you, Any, anybody. Your coach could whip you, your teacher could whip you, your Sunday school teacher could whip you, random guy at Walmart could whip you. See you goofing around, like, boy, whose boy are you? And just come after you, like, oh. right? <clears throat> and my dad was like a, he had that ninja move, you know? In one fell swoop, he could go from his belt buckle to like this Indiana Jones, and it would just come out. Man, I tried that the other day, and my pants about just ripped all the way around. Like, you try it when you get home. And then he would do that thing, your dad's ever like fold the belt over and just, like that. 
song. Somebody claps too loud in a worship song, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, who's that behind me? I mean, it's still... So he was, you know, that's how we grew up. But, but honestly, looking back now, my, my dad, he had a process to it. He didn't just get mad and start swinging. That's not how it worked. Is that whenever I'd get in trouble, it was usually I got in trouble with my mom. This is terrible parenting, but whatever. I'd get in trouble with my mom. She'd rat me out. Wait till your dad gets home. And then dad had to come home and be the bad guy. And so he would drive up, and, and, then, and then he'd come see me and say, boys, there's something I need to know about. I think, well, there's four things you need to know about, but I don't want to confess all four. Why don't you go first and... You know, we'll work it from there. Because it's usually just one or two. <clears throat> then he'd send me to my room, and I'd have to go and think about it. I'd sit on my bed, and I'd wait on him. Now, I used to think that he was just kind of waiting in agony for this moment, but little did I know, he's like catching Sports Center right, before he comes in, because now I'm a parent. And then he walked in all stern, and he would make me tell him what I did wrong. And so I would confess that, and then I would assume the position, and he would, you know, Indiana Jones, and bring out the belt, and he would usually, here's what I figured out, okay, is that as soon as I would start crying, he would stop spanking, so like one and a half on the way back, oh, it hurts so bad, I'm so sorry, and then he would be done. Now, most of the time, probably 90% of the time, when I was being disciplined by my dad, my brother was right there with me, okay, because the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, but it's really bad for two brothers to be together. It doesn't say the second part, but that's a fact where I'm from. We almost burned Dylan down literally one time, fire trucks, the whole thing. So what I found out, though, um, my brother's tougher than me, but I'm way smarter than him, all right? And so I would always go first because I'm the big brother and take mine, and after about two or three Wax, I would cry, and then I'd be fine. And then it would be Russ's turn, my brother. Now, he's one tough cuss, and he's a, he runs the SWAT team in St. John's County. Many of you probably know him. And so he's just tough. <laughs> Took you off. And I can remember my dad would just be wearing him out, and he would just wouldn't cry. And I'd be just watching going, for the love of God, Russ, just cry. <laughs> just, you're going to, one of y'all is going to die, Okay. And so we didn't do timeout. The only time, timeout in my house is sometimes when my dad was wearing Russ out, he'd have to take timeout and get his breath, smoke a cigarette, and come back in. Just wham. All right, so. But I never doubted that my dad loved me. At this point, I'm so thankful that I had a daddy that loved me enough. And he would walk in the room and say that just that dumb dad stuff that you have to say if you're a dad, okay? Now that I'm a dad, I promised I would not be like my dad, and I still find myself walking around the house saying dad stuff, right? Walking to a room. But anybody in this room? Why the light's on, man? I mean, I'm like, I just said that. Shut the door. I guess we're air-conditioned all of Jacksonville. That comes out of my mouth, all right? Whatever. I learned from the best. And he'd get the belt and be like, son, you know this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, I got an idea. Let me hit you so I endure the majority of the punishment, Okay. But there was a time when he shifted gears, and we went from that to he comes in the room and sits down. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, well, what I did, a bird got in our brand-new screened-in porch when I was a little kid. And my mom said, get the bird out of the screened-in porch. And where I lived in Dillon, everybody had a little pile of bricks in their yard. And I go, oh, I have an idea. And I got the bricks, and I tried to get the bird, and I missed, and it knocked a screen out. Knock a screen out, knock a screen out. And then I just get caught up in the moment. And my dad pulls up from work, and I'm standing there with a brick. And there's no screens left in the screen in porch. <laughs> but the bird got away, okay? So so he's about to wear me out for that. And so I tell him, yeah, that was dumb. I shouldn't have ruined your brand new screen in porch. And then I begin to assume the position, and he just sits down next to me. And he says, son, I'm so disappointed. You know better than that. And I remember thinking, oh. Actually, I thought, just hit me. 
Because then at least I can be mad at you for the day, right? But what my dad was doing, and he, did a, he really did a good job of this, is he did not just punish for punishment's sake or out of his own frustration, but it was about, it was about coaching and redirecting that included punishment. That's what it was about. And another thing my dad did a great job of that, that you've got to do to be an honorable parent is this, is that over time you've got to move from rules and restraint to relationship for the sake of continued influence. Okay? You've got to move from just rules and restraint. Now, when they're a little tiny, it's all rules and restraint. You pick them up, you put them in the safe place. You put them in the car seat and you buckle them in. But over time, there's going to be a day where they could put you in the car seat and buckle you in. And, look, JP is nine years old, okay? In the next 10 years, 10 years from now, and, and for sure 15 years from now, he'll be able to do anything he wants with whoever he wants, whenever he wants, and I got no say over it, right? And in those moments, I want to continue to be the primary, a primary influence in his life, especially when he's making the most important decisions of his life. And from, you know, nine years of being a parent and 15 years of student ministry, the people that I saw do the best with this are the parents that move from rules and restraint to relationship for the sake of influence, for the sake of influence. Because rules and restraint without relationship leads to rebellion, leads to rebellion when they need you as a parent the most. And so my dad continues to be a heavy, heavy influence, heavy influence in my life. Another one, this is big. This is big to understand, even theologically, that you cannot control the condition of your child's heart. You just can't. You cannot control the condition of your child's heart, but you have so much influence on the conditions that surround your child's heart. So what we have to do as parents, and it's got to be age appropriate, it's our job to leverage our influence and power and all of those things to surround the hearts of our kids with the right kinds of conditions for the sake of the gospel. Again, you can't change their heart, but man, you have, you have all the influence about the things that surround their heart. So that means, if you, if you ever started a campfire, it's like this. You, just, you take your little kid's heart and you're just bringing the kindling around and bringing the kindling around so that when the Holy Spirit lights that fire of faith in their heart, then it can catch on fire and burn all the days of their lives. It's the whole foundation of the way that we do our kids' ministry here. So if you check your kids in the kids' ministry, then listen, what's happening right now, there's some very loving, well-trained adults and college students and even high school students that are doing just that, trying to partner with you to take the kindling and just gather it around your son or your daughter's heart, praying that God would speak into that heart. And let me encourage you that you should put your kids in our kids' ministry. Because it's specifically for that. And we're not trying to replace you as parents. We're trying to come alongside and partner with you so that your kid can discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've had some parents say, hey, listen, well, I don't want to force God down their throat, okay? Or my kid's not really into that, so I don't make them do it. Just think about this for a second. You, you don't give them that option with anything else, Okay? If that's the case, all of your kids would have the worst breath and no teeth because no kid is like, oh, mom, can I please brush my teeth again? No. But when they say, I don't want to brush my teeth, you know better. You're the parent. And you say, no, no, no. You're going to do this because you have to until you understand. Not only is it good for you, it's actually good for all of us that you're going to talk to that day, okay? And, or, or like you don't do that with math, do you? Your fourth grader doesn't come home and be like, Mom, I just don't really want math in my life. And don't be forcing math down my throat. And you'll be like, okay, Tommy, you don't have to do math. No, you make them do math. And here's the thing. 
You can live in this world without math. You can't live in this world without Jesus. It's more important. And we want to come alongside you to help your kids discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've got teenagers, if you've got middle schoolers and high schoolers, let me just tell you, it's never more important than then. Because here, here's the truth about teenagers, okay? <laughs> your teenagers are probably at the place where they can't talk to you about everything. And I know you, you're young and hip and cool and think you're the cool parent. You're not that cool, all right? And you think, no, 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 no. my Timmy can tell me everything. I say, no, he can't. You know how I know? Did you tell your parents everything? You're like, no, that was different. It's not different. You're just the old person now. That's how it is, okay? <laughs> me too. I'm 41. I, I'm there too. But they're going to talk to somebody. So you know what we do? In our student ministry, what we do is we try to create a kind of community where there's, a, where there's an older, wiser adult that loves Jesus and when they don't feel like they can talk to you, they can talk to somebody. Maybe that somebody would be the somebody they'll talk to. And that somebody's going to give them the kind of advice that you would give them. And I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I know you've been saying the same thing and the right thing since they were tiny. And they hear it from a sophomore from UNF and it finally clicks. But you want them in that kind of environment. And it's why our student ministry does things like the student retreat. We've got a student retreat March 6th through 8th. All right? And the theme is misfit. So your kid will fit. All right? Send them to the thing. And here's the deal. It's about finding their identity in Christ. What if your kid, what if your teenager found their identity in Jesus and not what this world told them, the lies that this world was trying to sell them? It's $150 at Epworth by the Sea. It'll be the best $150 bucks you ever spend on your teenager. Way better than their shoes and phone. I promise you should get them involved. And the reason is because you can't control their heart, but you can control the conditions around their heart. Another way to be honorable, I had to add this one, is because, uh, or one of the ways to be honorable, is when you screw it up, parents, and we're all going to screw it up, right? I mean, we've all got daddy issues, okay? And so, when you jack the whole thing up, instead of being right, do the righteous thing, confess and repent to your kid, and ask for forgiveness. And ask for forgiveness. So, I had to do this this week. It was not in the notes, and then I had to do it, and I had to add it. So, this week, I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember what day, and I get home, and there's people, there's always people in my house. There's people in my house. And JP, who's in the third grade, he's, he's getting his Valentine's ready for the Valentine party in third grade, right? And he's doing stickers on suckers, and he's got it all worked out in his head. The girls are getting this color, and the boys are getting this color. And then immediately, I, was, I, I couldn't even stop the transformation. I turned into Perry Martin, my dad, and I started saying dumb dad stuff, right? It's like, what are you getting your Valentine? Who's your Valentine? And I could tell it was kind of like ruffling JP's feathers, you know? And I was like, what do you mean you don't have a Valentine? He's like, Dad, I don't have a girlfriend. Why don't you have a girlfriend, son? And he looks at me and goes, because I'm in elementary school, just like that. <laughs> and so everybody in my kitchen laughed, just like you laughed. He thought we were laughing at him. I know, oh, he's sensitive like his mama, and so he just like, you know, it hurt his feelings. And it was clearly my fault, and ah, bummer. So I take him by the hand, I take him into his room, sit him down on the bed, and then, and then I did everything wrong again. Then I began to tell him how to feel. JP, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I was actually trying to, like, build you up and say good things, and, and I was just making it worse. I was doing with him what I always tell you never do in a fight, and that is tell somebody how they feel. Because, again, son, not only did you feel wrong, but you're wrong again. Let me tell you that. And it's just not working. And then I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I had to just, I literally got, I got down, sat down so he'd be taller than me. And I said, bud, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I was careless with my words, and I hurt your feelings. 
I would never want to do that, but I did. Will you forgive me? And he says, yes, sir. And I think that's more important than being right. And then we went and hit baseballs for like an hour, okay? But I think one of the ways to be honorable is when you screw it up is that you confess and repent. Why? Because words matter. Words matter. And as a, an adult, don't you want your kid to learn how to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry? Then who are they going to learn it from? Because the truth is this, that none of us have obeyed this fifth commandment, have we? I mean, I might honor my parents better now than I did when I was 15, but all of us have dishonored our parents or dishonored somebody at some point. None of us have kept this perfectly. And here's why. You know why? You know why we have a, such a hard time honoring everyone, in particular our parents, is this. The number one reason that we don't give honor is because we're honor hogs. Like, why give credit when I can take credit? Honestly, we like to make much of us. We like to be the center of attention. We want everybody to honor us. But when you honor, honor is a choice. Honor is the willful decision to lift up others and to lower yourself. If you can get this right with father and mother, you are well equipped to honor everybody that you come in contact with. Now, this, this commandment is the first commandment with a promise. It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So what does that mean? Does that mean if you don't honor your father and mother that your days are not going to be long in the promised land? Yes, that's what that means. But guess what? I've got good news. Because Jesus Christ comes along and he says, I did not come to, to do away with the law or to discount the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. And so Jesus Christ comes to this earth and perfectly honors both his father and his mother. I mean, he honored his mother on the cross when he says, John, take care of my mom. And he perfectly honors his heavenly father. That in the garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus is arrested and put on trial and crucified, he prays like he's never prayed before. He's sweating drops of blood. And he prays this, Father in heaven, if there be any other way, let this cup of your wrath pass from me. You know what that means? He says, God, if there's another way, that people could know you as Heavenly Father, other than me dying for their sins on the cross, let's go with that plan. In other words, he's saying, if Oprah's right and all roads lead to heaven, and you can just be a good person or obey the Ten Commandments or align your chakra or obey the five pillars or, you know, God's in everything and everything's in him, if she's right, then, hey, why in the world do I have to go suffer and die for the sins if they don't need to be paid for? But, and then here's how he ends his prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus Christ perfectly honors the Father and his will by going to the cross and suffering for every single time you and I have disobeyed this commandment to honor your father and mother. And here's the real good news. <clears throat> In his perfect fulfillment of honoring his father, he absorbed everything that we, uh, that we deserve and for anybody that puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we receive everything that he purchased on that cross. So the back half of this, of this commandment can still be ours. That our days may be long in the land of the Lord that God is giving us. And that doesn't mean a piece of real estate in the Middle East today. That means for anybody that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. That the promised land for us is face to face with him in paradise. That one day for anybody that, any, for anybody that trusts in Christ that we can be in a perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father because His Son gave His life that we could be adopted into His family.
And some of you get all hosed up when you think about God being a father because your father was not that awesome. Okay. But here's what you need to know. That God is not a reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of what it means to be father. And he sent his only son to perfectly honor him that we would be blessed in the land that God is giving to us. And that is a right relationship with him where one day there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more dishonor. There will be perfect, right relationship with him. Would you please stand and pray with me? Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, would you help the Church of 1122 be a place of honor? Not because we are honorable or deserve honor, but because you honored us on the cross. And every single person we call, come eyeball to eyeball with is somebody that you made yourself low for, that they could be lifted up to know you, that their sins could be wiped away, and they could be in the family to know you as Heavenly Father. And God, I particularly pray that we would be a place that honors our father and mother. God, I pray for the adults in the room that we would honor our father and mother. God, I pray for, for the people in the room that have lost their parents. And, and God, they would continue to honor the legacy of their father and their mother. And God, I pray for the, the students in the room, the young adults that still live with their mom and dad. God, that they would honor them. That they would treat them so differently that everybody else in their circle would say, something's different about you by the way you treat your mom and dad. God, some of us need to come and repent for being so dishonorable. God, some of us, all of us need this. God, we need a fresh, fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. That we would lean, not on just trying harder and doing better in this arena, but that we would lean on the cross. So when Christ died on the cross, it counted for us. And because of that, we can honor one another. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we respond every week. We respond by singing. We respond by bringing our tithes and offerings to the giving boxes or electronically on your app. Today, we probably need to respond by a lot of people coming to the altar to confess and to repent and ask for God's power in you that when you walk out of here today, you can honor your father and mother.